Hello and welcome to TrackCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council from deep in the heart of Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio. Thank you for joining us. Our Legends of Commercial Real Estate series continues today with a special conversation between Bill Cawley of Cawley Partners and Lucy Billingsley, co-founder and partner at Billingsley Company. Put simply, Lucy was born to be in commercial real estate. She is the daughter of Trammell Crow, who may very well be the most legendary of commercial real estate legends here in Dallas. Having grown up around the family business, Lucy eventually joined Trammell Crow Company and became CEO of Dallas Market Center and the Crow Design Centers in Dallas, Houston, and Boston. She later founded Wyndham Jade, which became the largest privately owned travel agency in the Southwest and joined forces with her husband, Henry, to start Billingsley Company and manage their growing real estate portfolio. They now lead Billingsley Company alongside three of their children, daughters Lucy Burns and Sumner Billingsley, and son George Billingsley, who are also partners with the company. Billingsley Company currently has holdings in Dallas, Houston, and Chicago. Per the company's website, Billingsley has more than 3,200 acres of master plan developments, over 5,400 units worth of multifamily properties, over 4.4 million square feet of office parks with commercial buildings, more than 3,500 acres of raw land for build-to-suit opportunities, more than 572,000 square feet of retail storefronts, approximately 8 million square feet of industrial space, and the company houses data center sites at Cypress Waters, Austin Ranch, and International Business Park here in the DFW area. Lucy is a member of the Texas Business Hall of Fame, the Junior Achievement of Dallas Business Hall of Fame, and the NATCAR Hall of Fame. In 2013, she was awarded the H. Neil Mallon Award, which is presented annually to individuals who have excelled at promoting the international focus of North Texas, and she has also been recognized by CREW, the Commercial Real Estate Women's Network, as a distinguished leader in commercial real estate. Lucy is also heavily engaged in the nonprofit world. She served our organization over the years, and the Billingsley family chaired Fight Night in 2017. She also founded Shoppus International, which provides seed funding to female entrepreneurs in Latin America, and has served the National Geographic Society's International Council of Advisors, the Council of Foreign Relations, the UT Dallas Center for Brain Health Advisory Committee, the Southwestern Medical Foundation, the Dallas Committee on Foreign Relations, and Southern Methodist University's Tower Center for Political Studies and Folsom Institute for Real Estate. Before we get to Bill and Lucy's conversation, I'd just like to remind you to subscribe to TrackCast wherever you get your podcasts. The show is available on most major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also follow Track on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn for the latest from around the organization. We've linked to all of that and more including our first Legends episode of the new season and all of season one in the show notes. We'd like to thank the Dallas Business Journal for sponsoring our Legends of Commercial Real Estate series. Visit the Dallas Business Journal online at bizjournals.com backslash Dallas for the latest breaking business news and exclusive reporting on the hottest topics fueling North Texas's growth. Subscribe to their email products, including local business news updates in the mornings and afternoons, and dozens of popular topics from their vast national network of business journals publications. And for more interviews with DFW business leaders and personalities, subscribe to their weekly Texas Business Minds podcast, 
available wherever you download podcasts. Now, here's Bill Cauley in conversation with Lucy Billingsley, right here on TrackCast. Um, one, thank you for doing this. I know you're very, very busy. And, um, you know, you are a person in this business that uh, I watch with amazement. I just think you're always um, so far ahead of everybody in your planning and your thinking about where things are going. Flattery and, gets you everywhere. Oh, uh, well, I'm telling you, I, I, just to be honest with you. <laughs> no, I mean, no, no, it's not. But anyway. I mean, I've seen you do it over and over and over again. Yeah. And um, so this is going to be fun for me. But um, so I talked to your daughter about get some questions here yeah. so I could get some kind of inside scoop. And so one of the ones that she talked about is what about JFK's assassination? Oh, and funny. that day yeah, yeah. and what was going on in your life when that happened? Yeah. Well, I was 10 years old, and uh, uh, he was obviously driving, well, he was driving next to the trademark, right. and which is Dad's building, and so there's a big, big luncheon there to receive him. And I know being the one girl with five brothers, um, I got to stand uh, there. Dad was going to be the next person to meet JFK, so I got to stand there with my brownie camera and, and my younger brother, Stuart, uh, uh, we were going to be the next ones to be able to say hello to him. So he was on the way there to, mm -hmm. and you guys were going to greet yeah. him. And then we saw all these motorcycles peel off and sirens go by. So, you know, dad took us inside and, um, you know, the next messages came out to the whole crowd and you've got, you know, for me, it was just stunning because you saw all these adults start crying. It was a very powerful experience. So what, was it pretty quickly you knew there was there was a problem? Uh, there, you knew there's a problem very quickly. And then obviously we waited and waited. And then finally they, you what know. A, what a dark day down. for the yeah. country that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was unbelievable. Okay, so I know you like to travel. What? How about most interesting trip you've ever been on? Well, um, we were on a trip once in Ladakh, which is a, a, a far eastern side of India, and uh, went to the airport, and there was in one plane a day to leave, and there's a riot at the airport, and so um, we didn't, we had all the kids with us, and we had pushed our way to get in, and we ran, I pushed our way to get out, and had to take a, a two-day caravan, a jeep caravan through the mountains to get down to Kashmir in India, and into a war zone. And um, then we're there in the war zone for a couple of days and staying on these uh, houseboats, which were hotels. And it was stunningly beautiful and really fascinating. Did you, you know, know you were scared. going into a war zone when you booked the trip? I mean, yeah. Well, no, if we'd gotten out on the plane, we wouldn't have gone. So into this a war was in zone. lieu of the plane. Got yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Got that it. was we. That was our only way out then. Um, so anyway, that's that sort of makes it down for a fascinating <laughs> experience. Uh, and, you know, really, it, it, Kashmir is the resort area of northern India, but it's, you know, had... You know, I've heard India couples. is a beautiful country. Yeah, yeah, stunning. Yeah, but the thing about it is uh, I've never really had much of a desire to go to India because yeah. of the density of the population, yeah. but I guess it's probably knowing where to go, right? Now, and, and get over worrying about the density. I mean, this is the most exotic place on earth. And once in a lifetime, you need to say, I'm going to just go and, and be, I'm going to be part of it. Yeah. Um, people don't like it because you're exposed to so much poverty. That's true. Right. Right. You know what? It's reality. It's yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what I want to do is understand what is this human experience? I totally so agree let's, with that. 
you know, jump out there and... and All right, I'm going to pick your brain and yeah. maybe I'll, I'll go figure out where yeah. to go in India. Okay, so people, business, right? You come from such a famous family. Mm -hmm. and what went into the thought of leaving the family business and going out on your own? Because <laughs> I, I actually, yeah. I didn't, I don't have a famous family like yeah. you do, but I left my family business to yeah. move to Texas. And I know my conversations with my father, because he kind of thought I would take it over, right. were... Um, he really supported me, even though he didn't really want it to happen. And yeah. I just wonder how that was with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, a, a real easy answer. Um, if you're one of six, you're always going to be a minority. Right. And I wanted to make my own mistakes. And, um, you know, it's also hard to say uh, you want all the decisions that you're making being with your siblings. That's not totally. the, a natural business group. So... Um, anyway, that was it. Um, and so we just slowly unwound some things. And, um, and you know, I married Henry, and who at that time had worked for uh, Dad and the Crow Company. And um, he launched off on his own. So there we go. When you decided to do it, did you have clarity on what you wanted to do? Um, no. No, I, was, I, I decided to leave the family business, but I was running the Dallas Market Center. Right. And so I stayed there. Right. And I kept running the Dallas Market Center for, you know, I don't know. Um, I was there 15 years. Uh, and um, so probably, you know, five or six years after I decided to leave the business, I kept on running it. And, um, uh, you know, so then once I left the Market Center, that's when I said I got to launch out and say, what are we doing? By that time, Henry bought quite a bit of raw land. Right. I first um, I took a travel agency that I'd launched at the Market Center. And this was sort of in the great real estate drought in, yeah, uh, yeah. in the early 1990s. And so I thought, let me go make this travel agency something. I, everything I'd been was a family business. I didn't know if I could do this stuff myself. Right. And so I had to go into something that was totally different and, you know, see if I knew how to make it work. And fortunately, things, you know, worked out okay. And um, then we started to come out of the real estate drought. Henry had all this land around and I said, instead of selling it, why don't I go build something on it? And so then there we go. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was. So he had made those investments. You saw yeah, that they yeah. would. Yeah, let's he, go ahead and build on he, it. He bought the land that ended up being the intersection of Bush and the tollway. Right. So you know, but he didn't know that when he bought it. He knew the tollway was coming up, but he didn't know where Bush was going. Right. Well, I mean, that land by Cypress, and then now yeah. the one in Allen, I think, have been yeah. just so smart. You know, well, to get way out in front. Uh, so I married well. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I know he, Henry's a big reader, right? Yeah, 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 And the last time I was here to visit you, he actually yeah. gave me a book that yeah. uh, on, the, on World War II yeah. that I've read. And so where do you get your business information? Are you a reader? Do you read books? Do you have a book you would recommend? Oh, early on, I read a lot of business books. Um, but no, my reading today is not business. Um I'm really listening to a lot of podcasts. Right. Uh, I do too. I enjoy that. And, you know, I obviously do it while I'm driving. Right. And do you, are you a, a reader of novels or fiction or anything like that? Do you use reading to escape or no? Um, I, it took me maybe 10 years ago, I started reading fiction. So most of my life, it's been really, um, I want to learn. And I only tapped into fiction if I thought it could bring me greater insights again, on life and human experience and stuff, 
so I don't really do it for escapism. Right. I do some historical fiction, right. which is a little escapism. Yeah. But I'm also getting immersed into a time period that I wouldn't uh, learn and, and feel. I wouldn't feel it like a, in a real, you know, history yeah. in, in nonfiction. I'm dyslexic, so I don't. Reading's hard for me, yeah. but I I find like I I've always early in my life I read books to learn and to uh, self help type stuff. Yeah. Um, but I've never been a fiction reader just because I've always wanted to use my reading to educate, yeah. Yeah. you know, to learn to get better at what I do. And yeah. uh, I don't know. It sounds like we've kind of are in common there, but. Um, I, I've went through a long time of reading everything I could on the brain. And there's so many more fascinating books on that. So that's that's a big area of, of reading for me. I probably need to do that. <laughs> it's, it's so fun. I mean, it's like this, there's something called synesthesia where, where your senses are blended. So you hear color. You, you know, hear we, color? Yeah. yeah. When, when you hear a sound, every time it's yellow. I mean... And, and a lot of people who have it uh, can go to uh, concerts and they are absolutely hearing color. Or you're, you know, anyway, you're tasting a smell. That Those two are pretty related anyway. But anyway, it's a real condition. I don't need to derail but it, this. But, but have, you, have you ever read anything on the brain that, that helps you keep your brain healthy? Like my, my sure. fear in life is dementia or... Um, uh, Alzheimer's, yeah, those yeah, kind yeah, of, sure. you know, because you see so many people where everything else is functioning but the brain. Yeah. And my, I lost both my parents to dementia. It's just yeah, no good. Yeah. I mean, well, so exercise is the, you know, the best thing that you can have. And meditation, um, calming meditation. down your frontal cortex and just getting rid of the cacophony. You know, those are the two. Yeah. I'm, I get the exercise thing. I'll have to try the yeah. meditation. Yeah. Okay, so uh, business strategies. You seem to always have, like, Lucy talked to me about how you say, don't benchmark about what everybody else is against what everybody else is doing. Make your own benchmarks. Sure. So tell me how, how you gauge how you're making progress in your business. Well, first off, I'm really doing that as a life standard. Um, so that's where I feel... You know, I just, if you always want to be on a path of growth, you don't need to be looking around at what other people are doing. I totally agree with that. Um, and, and business, um, you know, my focus is um, <laughs> what's the world need now? Um, and so what is it, what is it that's going to make these places uh, become significant? You know, you know, since we buy large tracts of land, we create the public realm. Right. Well, what we worry a lot about that, right. and um, and that's the creative process too. You know, so it's so such a fabulous opportunity right. to get to try to go uh, do that. So um, that's the kind of thing that um, we try to think on, and you know. Obviously, we jump into the buildings and love all every nuance about yeah. that too, but um, I think that's uh, uh, it was something that's great for us to be focused on. And you know, I'm, I'm in school; I studied finance, so I'm not trained in design. I'm not trained in architecture, and I think that's great because it's like the odd person out coming in and asking the right. obvious question. 
So I don't carry the burden of all their knowledge. I carry the uh, burden of what's right for society right. and people. And, and you know, so Do you enjoy the design side? Oh, I, I mean, I, I love everything except insurance and taxes. <laughs> With you there. I can't stand those. So what do you think about um, co- like how COVID's affected our business? Like, yeah. So when you're building a new building, and this is what goes through my mind, okay, yeah. what's changed? I, I'm one that thinks eventually we get back to kind of normal, yeah. maybe 80% of normal. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe accounting will never come back to the office and there's certain functions that right. won't. But I think, I personally think people want to collaborate and be around people. What's your view of, of how you think our customers' needs have changed because of COVID or what we need to do different? Other than the obviously cleanliness in buildings and, and the you know, systems for health, other than healthy buildings, I think we'll talk a lot more about how do we make buildings healthy. Right. Um, but other than that, the utilization of the space, people are going to change. But this spaces that we're creating, the envelopes that we're giving them, I think don't change much. The growth that's coming to Dallas is so intense right. that if there's a shrinkage, we're not really going to feel it. That's what um, you know, maybe somebody's going to do a sublease. Fine. Um, so then you've got you know where we've all jumped into balconies and 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 outdoor spaces and you know that's something that. We've done a little while, you've done for a little while before all this got going. I started it because I went to Singapore and you'd look at this downtown area that was so dense, but instead of having all these hard edifices, they had an opening at the top of a building or trees up there or balconies. So you felt like this upper level was a community and you're connected. Right. So that's what we said. We want our buildings to be up and down and every right. all of it together, right. not just this, you know, right. facade that you enter. And do you think amenities or the type of um, amenities we put in the buildings other than those outside spaces and gathering spaces are going to change and evolve or do you, because of the pandemic? I know they're going to evolve anyway, but right. like, you know, I, I haven't been at work and thought about going to play bocce ball. I, you know, yeah. and and those kind of things, even though I think it does create a place yeah. and a gathering reason. But do you think all that's going to change or or do you think we just keep going the way we're going? Well, we're we're putting in these kinds of amenities. But again, we're dealing with large areas, right. not a single building. Right. Um, so at Cypress Waters, we're just about to add four or five tennis courts, six pickleball four or five sand volleyball, and that's for the residents and our tenants. So, again, it's just an area that's big enough that needs it. Um, We're putting in, um, I don't play golf, uh, putting uh, greens. Yeah. You know, so are people going to use them? I don't know if the office tenant's going to come out. I don't know how crazy you guys are on this stuff. (laughs) Uh, But you've got the opportunity to. Right. And someone in the residence certainly will. Yeah. What do you think about food? How do you think we're figuring out food? Um, it's a tough one, right? Because well, you, well we, we've got it. You do it a lot of ways, right? Yeah. First off, we have to have our food offerings, right? And and the ease of access and that. So you know, again, we've got a lot of we've got a lot of restaurants there to serve. 
then we've got this app, Foodsby, where you know people can order food and have it brought to their lobby. So we are all about what is any amenity that we can make to serve you efficiently. Right. And then we want to represent your values. So if you are, and we do a lot in recycling and e-cycling and, yeah. and you know, real estate companies are uh, now um, event companies. We are service companies. We're community dr drivers. So, you know, we have people, you know, where we all are trying to think of what are the things that we do that um, give you so much of an offering that you, the corporation, um, just slip right in and you get to pay attention to your business. Mm -hmm. And we're doing the e-cycling or we're doing the lunch or yeah. the meditation class or uh, the boot camp. Um, we're doing all those things for you so you can focus. You know, one of the things that surprised me is um, during COVID and even like the last 90, 120 days, I've had meetings with users or we're talking about buildings or, and COVID never comes up. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually end up asking the question and it's not like we start talking about usage and layout and square footage yeah. and density and it never comes up. Are you yeah. experiencing the same thing? Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, everyone stopped for nine months, 12 months. And yeah, now they're ready and, to be done. And, and, and that was pent up demand. Right. So now we're going through a period that's, right. you know, exciting. So what's your view of Dallas in the next five years? Unbelievable. I think it's going to be great. I too. mean, we have 18 people moving here every hour. I did not know that. <laughs> I mean, what a statistic is that? I think that's 342 a day. Um, we're supposed to obviously be 10 million people at uh, 2030, and then by 2050, 16 right. million. I, I kind of think it's going to be the roaring 20s for the next three, four, five years. It's gonna oh, be crazy. yeah. Yeah. And so we interestingly have a huge obligation as developers because this is the time when the city is built. We better do it right. Totally right. You know, so this sensitivity to all these things is, you know. You know, sometimes important. I'll go back and look at projects I've done and um, I feel like I didn't think big enough. Yeah, sure. I played safe instead of thought yeah, bigger. Yeah, yeah, I've done Maybe tons of under that. underdeveloped a site or did something yeah. where I could have done something more grand. And one of my kind of goals going forward is to make sure that I'm I'm pushing myself yeah. to think big. It's an interesting thing. I mean, cuz we've been we've been conservative always. Um right. uh, but one of the risks is as uh, at least as I've watched people as they get older they start spending more money, and then the project may not pencil. <laughs> but I want to do it right this time, this time. Um, so um, I think you're right. It's a push-pull. I care a lot more about, I always wanted to do it right, but I care so yeah. much more about quality and design and every little piece yeah. of it than I ever have in my life. Because I think as you get older, you just really care about doing it right. right? Yeah, that's right. Right. Okay, so you left a family business to form a family business. So now you you left one and now you've got one. You've got your siblings yeah, yeah, and your husband, yeah, you're all working yeah. together. How is that? Is it is it, I mean, are there pitfalls? Is it fun? Is it great? Like I left a family business. I had an older brother and um, there were so many positives. And um, 
my dad and I, I respected him. He was my best friend, but we thought differently. I wanted to go. And he was at a point in his life where we, he was pulling back. And so there was a push pull yeah. all the time. But it's got to be fun to have the family all together. Well, first off, I thought that the kids would come through the business and go on out just like I had. So, um, you know, they came in and got stuck. Uh, but they're having fun, right? Oh, no, I mean, it's, it's fabulous. You know, we've all the assets we've ever built, we've put in the kids' names. Yeah. So they're the yeah. ones who own this stuff. Yeah. And um, uh, George... Uh, their personalities really have gone to the product groups they like. George loves industrial, Lucy office, and Sumner multifamily. Mm -hmm. And um, they may own assets in each other's groups, but um, they they run their area. Mm -hmm. And if if you're ever going to finance or sell one of my assets, I, I make those decisions. Right. Besides that, you manage everything. So now we everybody's just doing their own thing, and you know it's nice to see each other, but... Um, they're, we're not actively engaged on each other's businesses. So I'm not sticking my nose into your business at all. So, so you really have an independence. So Lucy has taken the lead on office. Yeah, on, yeah. Yeah. And so you let her run and you're kind of there if she needs help. Well, no, wait a minute. I'm saying, no, you need to build more faster. And, and I jump into design <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I, yeah. But other than that, uh, you know, for some reason, I'm the one in the family who's always ready to do the next deal. And, um, it's not surprising. Well, but, you know, I, you thought your kids would be, you know, wilder than you are. Right. Um, but in any instance, uh, so the, are they the ones that are, are, tend to be more conservative than you? Oh yeah. 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 And Henry too. But it, you know, this economy is so good and they've been in the business long enough that they're building up. They're getting closer to me than him now. Right. Awesome. <laughs> uh, but, and, you know, so we've got, um, you know, one office building under construction right now. We have two that we will be starting momentarily. And we're, um, you know, way down on CDs on one more and just released two more to go all the way to so CDs. So you're ready. You're getting after pushing it. it. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if what what best advice could you give a young person starting out in this business? Because I, I think it's 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 a relationship business, right? It's yeah. meet as many people as you can, yeah. maybe kind of get follow your passion. But you know, for most people that want to be a developer, it's getting the experience to be able to go get the capital. Yeah. But so, like, if you when you have, I'm sure you have young people running through here all the time asking you for mm -hmm. advice. What kind of any thoughts there? Any any advice for young people? Well, I'm fairly trite, but I think you have to believe in yourself. Totally. And um, that's ninety nine percent. And and it shows when you believe in yourself, then whatever you radiate, I pick it up on it. So I know I'm supposed to believe in you. Right. But if you don't believe in yourself, I don't either. <laughs> you know. So totally. Uh, so that's a safe start. Um, you know, if you really want to say, how do you get the background and the credibility to go into development? Um, you know. It's what you mentioned. It's knowing people. It's meeting people. It's developing what in whatever niche you're in. It's you know getting to the head of the class. Uh, development itself is pretty hard to get an opportunity to step into. It is. Uh, and so, probably the best thing is if you can get in with you know an existing team. Right. Um, and then branch on out from there. Right. Uh, but well, I think it's really hard to get in. I think if you get in with an existing team, at least you can build your resume yeah. with that team and then 
get some experience and some confidence maybe to go yeah. out and maybe align with some capital. Yeah. Cause like I see people, uh, young people that come talk to me and they go, I want to start a fund. And they're like 25. I go, yeah. nobody's going to give you any money because you don't have the experience right. it takes to get it done. Right. Yeah. You got to kind of go get some experience and some relationships before you can, somebody's going to give you that kind of money. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, when your career's over, what's most important to you that you've accomplished? And I'm sure it's not building another building. What is it? What is it that you want to do when when you're done your life? Well, I typically don't uh, look back. Um, but, you know, so I, obviously, obviously, it's having um, these kids go out there right. and continue, continue, hopefully the gift of creation right um and uh and i want to see these trees be giant and the trails be amazing right and and be you know run down because of too many people are using them right and that's that kind of thing right you know there's no rule book for being a parent like mm -hmm. um i've got four kids and all of them have gone on separate paths i've got twins and it's amazing that you, you know you can be born within seconds of each other and be so different. Yeah, it's just, yeah, I think yeah, God's yeah. kind of up there laughing at us, kind of the way he stirs the pot. But, um, you know, me too, I would, I, for me, it's about trying to make it be a little better than it was before I got here. Um, and, you know, have my kids be on a good path Yeah, and, um, you know, to have them be focused on making the world better, right? whether it be, ergonomically or whatever, just make it a better place. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. For the brief moments that we're here. Yeah, this is like, it's going way too you know, fast. And though. you look at, you know, all that we consume and use and you think, oh, what, I, I better be giving back more than I'm getting. Right, because a lot so, of us are just consumers and I don't want to just be a consumer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what is the one opportunity you see out in the world that is so obvious to you that you don't think anybody's taking advantage of? You see anything well, in our business? I'm, I'm not a good person for that question because we're so immersed in the tracts of, of uh, land that we have. Um, so, um, do you see a need out there that nobody's fulfilling? You're just laser focused on your sites. Well, I I think that the retail world has um, a very hard time creating these experiences. The, we are small in retail, but we've done a few things that are very different. The most unusual is one we call the shacks. It's six little uh, restaurants that are yeah, 650 cool. feet yeah. hanging over a dog park and a yeah. floodplain. Um, when you go there, you're... It's it's your place. You own it. Right. And, you know, you're hanging out with your dog, your friend. And... Um, most, I, I I don't think most retailers or developers are creating places that you really love to be I when totally it's retail. Agree. Right. And that's a missed opportunity. I think, I think retail is cold, right? Yeah. It's just they yeah. haven't figured out. Yeah. I kind of, and maybe it's because I'm an office developer, but I kind of think the office folks are really trying to warm up the environment, yeah. Yeah. right? They're yeah. trying to have Soften. less hardscapes and make it, you know, make it more inviting. Yeah. Where retail, it's just, um, 
and I, I know it's got to be a much more difficult, but it, it should be more experiential, I think. Well, the, even at uh, Cypress Waters at the Sound, the retail buildings we built there, we went and got old bricks. You know, we wanted to give texture and right. to have it be earthy and comfortable. Right. And most retail's sharp and polished and right. and shiny. Right. And, and right. you know, we, we want to create the Texas you wish you were from. Right. And then, you know, you get there and all, you know, you, it just feels natural. Right. Well, and so um, what, how about like, are you an uh, early morning person? Where do you do your best thinking? Are you up early? Are you a late uh, night person? I'm up later than uh, I'm not as early as I used to be. I get up at 630 and, and go swim. Okay. So you, your first move is exercise. Yeah. yeah. Mine too. Always. If I don't yeah. do it in the morning, I won't do it. Yeah. Well, and I feel bad all day. And so do you do your best thinking at night or in the morning? Oh, morning. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. But you're up late. So do you go on very little sleep? You must go on no, five, no, six no, hours no, sleep? No, 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 none of that stuff. I, 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 I want eight hours, but I don't get it. I'm upset. And um, so. So I'm giddy if I get in bed at 10 o'clock, 9 oh, What a dream it's, that would be. Right. It's my favorite thing. If I ever get to do it, yeah. I don't get to do it very often. No, but, and I wake up feeling good. Right. And then if it's 11 o'clock, I'm right. growling and rolling right. out of bed. Right, right. Okay, how how about how do we keep ourselves relevant? Well, obviously, stay very informed. Right. Um, uh, know and be with younger people. Ooh. Understand what they're caring about. Right. I love that. Um, and um, um, a friend, a, a friend of mine, lives out in Pebble Beach and uh, knows Clint Eastwood, who says. Uh, keep the old man out. I and that. I think that's just a great quote. Totally agree. Uh, and so, um, and you know, so I'm going to exercise. And, and if, you know, uh, my body starts to fall apart, I'll get it replaced and keep going. Right. You know, I've just, uh, and I happen to have a lot of energy. So exercise is a friend of mine. I enjoy it. Um, and, um, uh, you know, we can't be... Some people can tend to become hermits, and uh, I think that that's wrong. It's it's show up, be there. Do you watch the news? Yeah. Yeah, I, I've kind of stopped watching it. Yeah. I mean, I watch local news because I want to know what's going on in Dallas, but I've kind of stopped watching the national news because I'm not so sure it's accurate anymore. You know, I mean, oh. and I and I find myself not feeling good. Yeah. And so I've uh, uh, since this last election, I've eliminated it. With Afghanistan, what just happened, yeah. I started watching it because I was interested in that. And I found myself not feeling good again. So I, I, I feel better when I don't watch yeah. it. And I, I mean, there's not much I can do about it. I want to be relevant, right? I want to right. understand what's going on. But but all the stuff I can't do anything about that I think, you know, if you listen to three different stations, you get three different slants. So I've kind of eliminated. Well, uh, my husband, Henry, is, you said reads a lot. He reads like five papers a day. I read the Sunday New York Times. Thank you. Right. It's maybe Saturday Wall Street Journal. Right. That's it. And um, uh, he records eight news shows a day. And so I can get inundated. But BBC is where I like to go. I think BBC is the most yeah. non-slanted, clean information. And it's the information I'm interested in. I totally agree. Uh, uh, so, you know, so I, I, but I hear everybody, all the other voices, too, um, the uh, extremists on all sides, and um, 
it, it's tiring. Yeah. So I'm happy to get up and yeah. get out of there. Okay, so in closing, view on Dallas, the country. I mean, I'm very bullish. I'm bullish. I mean, there's a lot of discord, but I think there always is. I mean, it's it feels like the world's kind of divided, but you go back to the Nixon days and there's, there's always been, you know, some of that in our lives, yeah. but I, I am one that am, I'm very bullish on Texas for sure. And Dallas, but even the country too, I think we're all yeah. going to figure this out. Do you have a view on that? Uh, well, first off in the Metroplex, uh, I am, uh, the same, uh, very strong, strongly positive. Um, I don't know if you've seen Cullen Clark came out with the book, Texas Triangle, he co-authored with yes, a couple of people. I have not read it, but I've seen well, it. Well, it, it, the mega region that we have with Dallas, San Antonio, Austin, and Houston, this is a global competitor. And when you look at how dynamic this state is, how we're permitted to operate, we've the state has this culture that permits us to get it's things awesome. done. It's awesome. Is there any place else in the world that has that? Is there any other, we're more dynamic than any other mega region. There are like eight in America. And and our GDP is bigger, yep. so we're huge. We're a younger population. Um, we have this pro-business culture. I think if you compare us to any place else in the world, there's nothing like us Yeah. in, in, in all seriousness. So, um, and then, then we've got, so that's a pretty big fact. Uh, then we've gotten to be friends with several of these people, couples, CEOs that are bringing their corporations to Dallas. Well, these are young, smart, are. focused people. Yes. And, you know, they're coming here because they want to be in this culture. Right. Several of them uh, have come and finally made the decision to move here because of education, because they did not like the exposure and the new strategies on education elsewhere in the states and so they're coming here to fight for this culture right to keep it alive i think that um we have a huge rush of talent here, coming here for and, sure. and obviously we're incredibly diverse we've all we've always known that there's going to be the browning of texas the hispanic growth but we have hispanic asian obviously the black population strong but the you know, you go out to Cypress Waters, you go up to Plano. Yeah. The population is so diverse, um, which is just a rich gift to our future. I totally agree. So. You know, a lot of people worry about everybody coming here and trying to change our yeah. culture. I actually think, like you said, I think they're coming to our culture. They yeah. want to be in it. Because, yeah. like, um, I talk to developers on the West Coast, not to hammer yeah. the West Coast, but, you know, trying to get a, a building permit or a zoning or, I mean, it's it's half a life to get through that. We're here, it's four or five months and we complain about that, yeah, you know? Yeah, Rightly yeah. so. It's, right, exactly. <laughs> Sooner is better than later, right? Well, uh, thank you for your time. No, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you doing this. No. I mean, we've gotten really positive response from the Trek people and a lot of outside people listening to it. And they just said, give us more. And uh, I'm so excited that you're willing to take the time. Well, to I, I'm your kind to organize questions and put up with my chatter. Well, I'll tell you what, it's I, I was so looking forward to this just because, one, I do admire you and mm. admire what you've accomplished. And, you know, you come from a famous family, but you've mm. you've you've paved your own road. And I, I always admire that. And uh, and, you know, I just um, 
thank you, thank you so much for taking the time. Well, I, I don't consider this a famous family. Dad did a lot in real estate. So in this one little niche, uh, yes. we've got it. But beyond that... Uh, There's very few so. places you can go where Trammell Crow name oh, isn't any known. Answers, any thank you so much. He was much. a great guy, and he thank was. you very much. You got it. Appreciate Thanks. it. That is all for today's show. I'd like to thank Lucy Billingsley and Bill Cawley for their time, and thank our sponsor, the Dallas Business Journal, for its support of TrackCast and our Legends of Commercial Real Estate series. If you like what you heard on today's episode... Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We've got plenty more from our Legends of Commercial Real Estate series coming up in the next few months. Check us out on social media as well for the latest from around the Real Estate Council. We've put links to everything in the show notes. Until next time, I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for listening.